0: Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex, your host, and today's show 68. Happy New Year. I hope everybody around the world, wherever you are, has had the most fantastic end of the year uh, and a, a sense that everything and anything is possible this year if we make our little baby steps towards whatever it is we want to um, bring into our lives. I love New Year energy. I'm not one for uh, resolutions, as you heard me and uh, Brooke talking about last week on the show we did just before Christmas. But I am one for setting intentions and having a think about how I want my year to look and feel and and starting to um, build around that accordingly. I think it's a really useful thing to do. Uh, Speaking of useful things to do in the new year, a lot of people have a bit more time on their hands. It's a common time to take holidays. And also a lot of people, I know this myself, want to just sort of focus on the home and, and... Tidying everything up and, and removing things that aren't necessary and, and doing a good old-fashioned declutter. So I thought today we could start the year with a KonMari method trained, a uh, first trained, in fact, uh, Australian, uh, the lovely Sally Flower from um, Victoria – And her business is centered around organizing people and helping them fall in love with their homes again. And uh, so if you're feeling a little bit disgruntled about all the stuff lying around that you don't feel connected to or don't need, don't feel useful, doesn't make you joyful, you know, then today's show is absolutely going to be uh, super helpful in that area. And Sally is a, a gifted organizer. You can hear from her the way she describes how you move through each theme as you tidy Uh, You really can find joy in tidying and I can feel her joy in helping people find that. So I think it's a perfect guest to have today to kick off the year for us and the wonderful Tom Cronin taking us through our very first live meditation on the show. So we're starting the year nice and gently. I hope you enjoy my chat with uh, Sally. I know throughout the chat myself, I had started making notes on ideas of where to start and what I wanted to work on for our place because my I've set an intention for us to move to somewhere where I have a kitchen that I absolutely love. It's something I've wanted for a very long time and I'm going to make that a priority to, to find that place this year. And so I've already started then thinking, you know, what am I going to be letting go of? What do we not need to move over with us into a new space when we find that space? And it definitely makes moving a lot easier if we've found useful homes for things that we don't want anymore it means we're not going to have to move them with us Uh, having been in the same place for seven years i don't doubt that we're going to be going through cupboards and finding all sorts of things so That's, uh, it's very much on theme for me as well. I wonder if it is for you too. I can't wait to hear how you enjoy the show, what you get out of it. And please, if you feel really enlightened by something, you want to pop it before and after on Instagram or uh, share it in the, the comments of the blog please do hashtag lotoxlife or tag me so that I see them because um, I I might be doing the same. So let's meet online and inspire each other to make our homes uh, as beautiful as we want them to be, surrounding ourselves with useful things that bring us joy. Uh, That's what the KonMari method is all about and finding the joy in in tidying up. And um, I hope you find it today. Enjoy the show. Hey, Sally, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, Alex. How are you?
0: I'm super well and I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. What... I mean, there just couldn't be a better way to start the year than to talk about the life-changing magic of tidying up. Um,
1: I know. It's a great way to start the year. I I definitely agree with you on that one.
0: I know. And everyone seems to have a little bit more time these first couple of weeks of January. A lot of people like going through things. And with a bit of direction behind that and some strategy from our chat today, I think it's going to be (laughs) so much more um, satisfying for people. So, How about we start just so that we can learn a little bit more about you and how you came to be curious about Marie Kondo's work and the KonMari method. Um, Let's sort of just get a little bit of a background.
1: Yeah. um, So I'm a naturally really tidy person. Um, I'm a Virgo, which probably makes (laughs) you a perfectionist as well. Um, But even as a little kid, I used to love rearranging my bedroom. Um, My mum used to laugh at me because I – was the only teenager she knew who folded their underwear. So I've always been a really untidy person. Wow. Um, and then as I became into like a, in my 20s, I just became obsessed with hotels. I loved the big clean spaces and I loved the, um, the idea of celebrating the indoors. So I think that's kind of been me as a person. I've always really loved the idea of celebrating mm. our homes. Yeah. Um, so then I think it was about 2014, it was a while ago, I found a picture of the life-changing magic of tidying up on the on Instagrams so on the internet, and I was just really drawn to it. Um, just the idea of tidying, and someone who's a professional tidier. I really liked the idea, um, and I couldn't find a copy in Australia. And at the time, I was about to move over to America, and I quickly found a, a copy of the life-changing magic of tidying up in hardcover, and I just began to read it and I loved it. The the idea of being organized is more than just your surroundings, but how you are connected and and not just being a perfectionist but more about being connected to what you own and your space. It just really resonated with me. So, I guess that's how I got really interested in the method. And having traveled to Japan as well. I mean, anyone who's been to Japan, they know how cutesy and how organized and how small and how quaint everything is. So, the idea of having this Japanese culture behind the whole method really, really drew me into it.
0: Beautiful. And yeah. did, um, like, obviously, you've admitted that you were already quite a tidy person, you liked mm. rearranging things. So, yeah. how did um, reading that book and connecting with Marie's work play out for you in your life? Like, what actually changed?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, because this is kind of a, an, an outcome of reading the book and decluttering that I wasn't expecting. But I became a lot calmer. I think I've always been one of those people who's striving to succeed in everything. And as I said earlier, probably a little bit of a perfectionist. And this, the whole message kind of moved from being a perfectionist to more of being mindful. And that kind of dampened my anxiety I've always been one of those people who if I'm in a space that's in disarray or it's messy or if I can't find something I'll get really angry at myself and then as a a young teenager I got angry at my family so then as I started to move through the method it gave me a structure to know that I would be able to make the place I was in in order once I had the time because everything has its own place everything has a home so for me it really kind of even added to my already big yoga practice that I have because I'm a yogi I do a lot of meditation and I'm very aware of my surroundings and my energy so it kind of just tapped into that mindfulness side of things and and really made it a lot calmer for me which was cool
0: mm. and di- you didn't expect that did you
1: no not at all I I literally thought it was more just about the, the most systematic way to fold my yeah. clothes and I travel all the time so I really wanted to know like how can I travel with less how can I buy less how can I want less so I went in there with the idea of kind of even a minimalist organized kind of thing but came out with more of a holistic mindset
0: which was it. really cool yeah, yeah. very cool it, the same thing happens for people um a little bit of a different example when they do our golotox e course which is all about um you know moving closer to nature in our day-to-day choices through the products we buy and things that we fill our homes with um and more away from um some of the things that are starting to show up as being a bit dodgy in the research mm. and um, And a lot of people think it's just going to be, oh, I'm going to swap my shampoo and I'm going to, um, you know, get different makeup. And then they come out the other end just being so peaceful, mindful, calm, wanting less. And, you know, it seems like the link between your example and the example of um, learning how to choose better products for your home, um, uh, they tie in together in like an, an unexpected delight in simplicity, and it's it's so true. Yeah, that's that's and really, that's actually probably what we're craving. We're not craving tidiness per se. Mm-mm. We're actually cra- craving the simplicity of only having things that are useful and beautiful and bring you joy around you. Like, who yeah. who, who wouldn't want a life that is like <laughs> <Yeah>. that?
1: <laughs> I know it's it's like uh, the idea of not having that now to me is crazy. Mm. And I, it's it's really cool that you said that that happened for a lot of people who follow your course because. I just have stopped watching television, mm-hmm. and I have. That's just a, a shift that I've made, and I've started picking up hobbies that I didn't have before. And I've always been really environmentally conscious, but now if I go into the supermarket and I see packaged vegetables, I just walk out. It's more just everything around me has just kind of moved towards this low tox way that that you that you talk about, and it's just another avenue of getting there. And it's the same for my yoga classes, like going through a physical movement, it's all just about finding peace. It's all the same thing. It's just we're all searching for the same thing. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, it is. And the sooner we realise that, the, the better it is. It's so good. Mm. Um, so how did you go from reading the book – to thinking you want to be, you wanted to be the, you know, trained by Marie when that was announced that that was going to be possible, yeah. Um, and being the first trained Australian uh, by yeah, Marie herself, yeah, it was herself. pretty,
1: um, pretty amazing journey. Mm. Um, I was literally doing a meditation course in New York City, and they said that we needed to really advance our creativity and kind of just do things that we wouldn't normally do. And I'm a corporate banker by trade. So I was living in New York City, um, working in Wall Street. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to have a look at this Komari thing. Does she even have a website? So I went on and had a look at Marie's website. And the very first training that we ever doing in English was in New York City in two weeks' time. And I was like, what? I need to do this. So I just kind of signed up on the spot and joined, joined the crew there in New York City um, and there was, I think there was 70 of us to start with. Wow. And I didn't really realise it was such a big thing. Um, but there were women there. Or there was one man as well, actually, from all over the world. Wow. We had women who had flown from New Zealand. There was me, but I was already like a New Yorker at the time. There was people from Scotland, from England. There were French speakers from Switzerland. There were a whole heap of Canadians there was just women who had just flown from all over the world to do this and I just kind of stumbled upon it. Um, and then we just started our journey together, turning this idea of being consultants in English into a reality because Maria already has about 100 working Japanese consultants all through Japan, mm-hmm. but we were the first English speakers and there's and now they're trying to do it in other languages too. So,
0: Yeah that is amazing and yeah. and so what is this uh, gorgeous woman who's behind this entire movement <laughs> like? can you tell us yeah. can you tell she, us what it was what it was like yeah.
1: Yeah. We were all kind of treated her like royalty I'll be very honest with that we <laughs> walked into this room we're like where is she where is she So we think we got to see her day three um, but she she does have this aura of calm, quaint and cute Mm. and she portrays that in her book and in all of her interviews um and she speaks english now too she's getting english dress. and so you probably would have seen some interviews in english but um she only comes up to like my shoulder she's very tiny she's always dressed immaculately um and every because she's so japanese and so polite She's traditional Japanese. I've spoken to quite a few Japanese people about her, and she's very um, a well-mannered Japanese lady. So she's always has her hands together and always like bows forward and kind of nods like, yes, like she's listening to you. Um, yeah, she's she's
0: she's cute as. <laughs> yeah, lovely. and um and in terms of the process of going through that training, What were some of your biggest ahas that you maybe hadn't got yet from the book? Because obviously it was about then being able to replicate this as a method in your own work.
1: Mm. Um, For me, I think some of the biggest ahas was that I need less. Mm. I definitely went, I picked up the book and I went in because I'm just good at organizing and I wanted to learn more about it and I think I went in during my training, I was like, oh, I actually don't need a lot of this stuff. And re-questioning again if it sparks joy, I think that was probably my biggest aha moment. And then just also having this newfound confidence that I can do what I love, that I don't have to do Wall Street banking. I can help people learn to be connected to their environment, help people learn to take mindfulness practice in their day-to-day
0: activities,
1: help people make space for their kids and really kind of create what I preach and what I love. I think that was a really big aha as well for me.
0: Right. So you started to see it as something that you wanted to turn into a, a business and into the work that you do when you came back home.
1: Yes. And and I also think that I began to realise that people need this. Mm. A lot of it is I mean, so many people laughed at me when I did this training and people (laughs) laugh at me now sometimes and they're like, so what do you do? Like, I'm a professional declutterer. And they're like, okay. (laughs) And I I think that for me it's like this, people don't realise they need it, but they do. Mm. They need more of people like you and I than than we need Kmart stores. And I think that this is me being so aware and so confident in this Change is happening. I think that anybody who is interested in this kind of stuff realizes that we're living in a consumering epidemic. Like yeah. consumerism is overtaking the world, and being able to look past that is really cool.
0: Oh, you only need to go to a um, a shopping mall this time of year, you know, peak sales, to <sighs> see just how crazy it is and how many people are buying things we don't need. It's it's actually quite frightening once you've raised an awareness around exactly what you do need and how everything else is actually just completely unnecessary.
1: It's it's just covering up the real reality of what you want. It's mm. just a band-aid and it just gets soggy and yuck. Like <laughs> you don't need it. It's crazy. I and it's it's finding that line between realizing that people probably just aren't aware of it that they're just living in a cloud then just getting really upset, upset and sad about it. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people out there saying, "Yeah, I don't like plastic, but it's everywhere." I'm like, well, it's not. You can just kind of you, you can make changes around it. It's not that hard.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, like, you've you've got to notice that a change needs to be made, and then have some practical steps as to how to do it, which is mm-hmm. pretty much what um, having someone like you uh, come and help people is going to do for people. And um, and I think like to move into helping people out there feel like there's stuff that they can do uh, perhaps just even today in your own home, um, you know, why wait? What are some of your – let's move into some of your best tips.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I love these questions. People say, what should I do? Yeah. Um, I think the the, the the best thing is is to make a plan. I mean you can't start off without knowing where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So really visualising and even writing down how you want your space to look, feel and function. So this is the first thing I ask my clients when I see them and it's amazing what you come up with. I have some clients say, I want more space my kids can run around. I want to be able to read a book in every room. I want my house to feel like a holiday beach house. I want to be able to feel like I can move anywhere around my space and be happy and confident that it's, I've got everything I want. And for me, I want to have a sanctuary. I want it to be a space where I come home to, it calms me down and I feel creative in it. So I think, first of all, having a plan um, is really important. And then I guess the next thing would be to remember that it's, it's going to take a little while to get there. So you have to take it off chunk by chunk by chunk. You can't just go in and think it's going to happen overnight. This is a life-changing process and it's like running a marathon. You can't expect to go out and run 10Ks with no training. You need to teach yourself to do this. So taking off by category by category and working through it means that you'll get to the end. But just tidying really quickly is not going to help. So I think my next biggest tip would be to just Understand that it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to be walking into a Vogue magazine in three weeks' time. It's just taking its <laughs> Darn
0: it. Damn it! <laughs> I so thought that that's what this whole thing was about.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Can I just have my Vogue magazine now? Um, I think that that's probably yeah, that's probably the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, cool. And then when you say chunk by chunk, like. What do we tackle first once we've got mm. our vision board, would you recommend like literally cutting out images and starting to um, starting to really see a space how you want it to be?
1: Um, yeah, I love vision boards. I do them all the time for myself personally. Um in terms of how you want your space to feel, I would f- focus more on your own emotions. Okay. Cool. I mean, v- visually, yes, because it means that that's going to help you work out. But I just I wouldn't want people to kind of be thinking that they need to buy more things to change their space and get a new like a new storage unit or whatever. It's more about how you want the space to feel when you walk in. Mm-hmm. And it's and especially with the KonMari method. Um, Marie comes from a, shri- a shrine background where you kind of really. She, we used to work in shrines and cleaning and, and organising them and, and cherishing them. So it's more about how you want your space to give back to you, I think. Yeah, um, cool. And it could just be asking yourself simple questions like, what do I love most about my home? What do I want to be able to do in my home? So starting off with those things I think is cool. But, yes, vision boards I love, so I'm definitely not um, disrating them. I do love them too.
2: Yeah, cool. But the
1: thing to start off with first um, is clothes, And the reason that we start off with clothes is because clothes, you can touch them, you can feel them, you can try them on, they're close to your skin. We see them and use them all the time. So it's quite easy to start to um, exercise this idea of spark joy, this exercise of keeping something that makes you feel good. So clothes is like the best place to start really. People probably used to decluttering clothes anyway. So... That's why mm. I would definitely recommend doing that one first.
0: So the pencil skirt that makes you feel like your bum is too big every time you put it on, <laughs> you shouldn't have it in your house anymore? Is Should that what you're trying to tell us? Should not have
1: it in your house. <laughs> no. And I think that it's a, th- a common thing for women as well. Like, like they say, but my husband loves it. Or I feel that like people look at me when I wear it. It's not about other people. Being honest to yourself is really important in this process. You probably will keep things that you may – be a little bit awkward about keeping, like why do I still love this teddy bear that I've had Mm. since I was seven? But who cares? It's all about you and your honesty. And if you put in a pencil skirt and it might have cost you $300 but you don't feel good in it, you don't need it. It's all about keeping stuff that makes you feel awesome.
0: Mm. And if you're in America, you've got that awesome um, business that's just uh, crowdfunding at the moment called the Silk Roll, um, I'll pop it in the show notes where you can mm. um, you can literally get credit, shopping credit for sending your clothes that don't fit you or you don't like anymore um, for other people's secondhand things that you do like and love the look of, and it's like a huge swap, a clothes swapping platform that's done without money in credits, and you just yeah. you just pay a membership um, to Silk Roll, and I just think it's such a cool idea. I can't wait to see something like that come out in Australia, but the idea that then Clothes are given more and more life rather than just chucking them out or often charity bins, unfortunately, um, not everything gets used in op shops and it just gets um, uh, added to textile waste and 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 mm. all sorts. So, yeah, there's some great things that you can do. I actually had a um, chat with the wonderful Claire Press a few ch- shows ago, which I'll put that mm-hmm. in the show notes as well. From I what- listened to that one. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, It's a yeah, great dude, yeah. chat. And so many ideas on this dilemma of when you realise actually half my closet is stuff I don't like um, or I don't wear and or I haven't touched it for four years and I'm not likely to ever again. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's lots that you can do. And then coming back to your first point, Sally, which is the idea that we then raise our awareness on um, and, and are really conscious of whether or not we really love something before we do buy it next time round.
1: Yeah, you're you're talking to the converted. Mm. I I totally agree with that. It's um recognizing what we have now and knowing what we have is so important because we don't need the extra stuff because we probably already have it. Yeah. And one thing I see often is that my um, customers have two of one item in case they lose one. Now, why would you lose one if you love them both? You're not going to just – you're going if you cherish something more, you're going to look after it. And this whole idea of fast fashion is that we use and throw, use and throw. So recognizing what we have probably going to raise our consciousness that we don't need the other stuff and we have everything that we need. And if you do need a new sweatshirt or you do need a new shirt or whatever, go out and make a purposeful purchase of that and then bring it back into the home and use it.
0: Mm, Love it. And so we're going to work on our clothes first. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we need to fold our underwear to be happy?
1: (laughs) No, definitely not.
0: Okay, cool. I mean, I
1: I personally, it makes you really happy.
0: Um, (laughs) Me too. And my husband doesn't get it. And yeah. we both kind of take turns. Like my um, beautiful cleaner does some of the folding sometimes. If it's a really busy week for us, um, otherwise, hubby and I take turns. We're very much an equal equal rights couple, and mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't fold my undies, and I don't <laughs> like it. It just doesn't bring me joy when I go to grab no, them in the morning. True. I know it sounds yeah. weird. But I totally understand that part of the book where it's coming from because it really mm. does bring me joy to have them all organised in a little row. And I don't yeah. know why. I'm not even a particularly tidy person but that I really got.
1: It's very, it's quite um, strange a connection people have with their intimates. I mean you can go the, the next step of what I do and every time you buy a bra, you ask if you can have the coat hanger from the store and they'll always give it to you. Mm. So if you're in a lingerie store and you just purchased a new expensive piece, They'll give you the coat hanger, so you can actually hang it up rather than just put it in a drawer. So that's that's another another cool uh, cool tip too. If you're um, enjoying that,
0: cool, yeah. And um, what's another clothing tip?
1: Um, definitely, I like to organize my clothes in sections. I'll, I like to keep all of my jumpers like sh- shirts together or like my jackets together and then dresses and then blouses and then skirts, so kind of keeping them in order. Mm-hmm. But probably the biggest tip that I didn't really realise that people don't do is have all of the front of your clothes facing the one way. So every time you put a new piece into the wardrobe,
2: yeah. have
1: the zip at the front facing the left and then everything else that goes to the left as well. So it kind of looks like they're all facing one way. Mm-hmm. And that kind of cleans it up a lot too.
0: Mm, interesting and something i found i did um this year i'm a dress person and i generally tend to try and get away with wearing dresses as about 80 percent of what i wear just because Mm -hmm. i don't like trying to put together outfits i'm not a particularly fashionable person and so dresses it's like the whole thing's done for you it's great yeah it's so true i love it too (laughs) and um but what i did was i I sorted my block colours out into one side of the dresses and things with patterns on the other side and, um, and that was sort of oh, an yeah. a- idea that I came up with for myself after reading the book that wasn't, yeah. wasn't necessarily in the book but just starting to think about um, making the changes your way so that they stick and, and coming up with your own ideas. I think, I think that's part of the success of something like this in terms of bringing it into your own life, right?
1: yeah most definitely and it's more about working out what's good for you I mean if you don't want to fold up every piece of clothing you don't have to Mm. it's more just about recognizing that it's there and that Mm. you like it so I personally with my dresses I'll I color code them so if I've got like a blue and then a blue patterned like they'll all be still in the same section but Ah. the idea of moving patterned and straight into separate parts that that works really well too mm. so it's very much on how you want your um oh, you know cupboard to feel another cool one is uh, i probably only started doing this with the method actually is to have a completely separate drawer for workout fits So like mm. like workout um workout clothing it's mm-hmm. so like your leggings and your and your yoga wear and like your bike stuff because those ones have like a different kind of feel to them. When you put them on, you're going to be super active. So you don't want them to be sitting next to your snuggly kind of around-the-house clothes. Because
0: <laughs> you so might not end liked... up going to the gym.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So you want to have them really like separate purposes, separate spots. I like that too.
0: Yeah, nice. And it's almost like when you open that drawer, it's it like switches on the little light bulb that mm-hmm. says, yay, activity, rather than, yeah. oh, gosh, the pyjamas actually look way, <laughs> yeah. way more appealing right now. <laughs>
1: And that actually came from um, meditation training because when you start meditating, they say that to have one place in the house where you meditate, it's kind of like you go there and that's like meditation go time and you have the same cushion to sit on and you can go as far as having the same meditation clothes. So I thought, well, why don't we just do that with other stuff? Mm. So that's when I started to put the sports stuff together because it kind of was like a – I like to call it like my fun draw. Like it's where I have my tennis balls and my tennis skirt and my, some of my ski gloves. Like it's all – they're all in together.
0: Okay, cool. Mm. Um, and what do you say to people who um, who feel like it's all just too hard to tackle? Like what, what is a like a, a bit of a baby steps encouragement? A you can do this moment for people
1: um, yeah I think it would be probably going back to what I said earlier about that it's a it's a marathon it's going to take time but it's a little bit like you've already you're already more than halfway there knowing that you want to do it Mm. Like you could, you could. This there's a reason that you've got this far. There's a reason why you've called a consultant. There's a reason why you're listening to this podcast. There's a reason why you borrowed the book or you picked up the book. It's because you you want it to happen.
2: Mm. It's kind of it's
1: the same as like losing weight. It's the same as saving money. The idea is there. You want it, and you can do it. And this if you start to do it systematically in steps by steps, and you celebrate each part. I think that. Celebrating success is one of the key parts to happiness mm. and the success can be that today I donated a bag of clothing and then the next day is today I went to Kmart and I didn't buy anything because I don't need it. And mm. celebrating those changes in you, that's going to give you the drive to keep on going.
0: Agree and, and feeling like you don't have to declutter your clothes per se, but work on your jumpers. Are all the jumpers that I have there ones that I want to wear? And then you can go, yay, I did the jumpers. And so it was like a 10-minute exercise um, and you can feel a sense of achievement instead of thinking I need to do my clothes, which could be a much longer sort of thing and therefore you feel like you failed because you didn't get them done and then you had to go and it brings a negativity around something that's actually positive that you want to do.
1: Exactly. You've you got to t- treat it like a project. You can't mm. expect the house you built overnight. You've you got to take it slowly and celebrate each bit and then eventually it'll get easier because you're starting to teach yourself to do it. And a lot of people don't want to do it because, like, oh, it's not my mess, it's my family's. Well, you just start with yours and then I would be very surprised if your family doesn't start to change their habits as well, mm. just being aware of you being really conscious of, of your, own, your own belongings.
0: Yeah. As I'm talking, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, my office. <laughs> so i got to do my office. Um, yeah,
1: I think I really underestimate my clients when they let me into their home. They must be like, oh, my gosh, my house. Um, <laughs> but
0: it's, you know, it's, it's, just a, it's just your own space. Yeah, exactly. I love hmm. it. Um, so it's something we were just talking about sharing our favourite aspects of the book in the office the other day as a team and um, something that a couple of us – picked up was that how hey, you don't necessarily tidy room by room but you tidy by category mm. um, can you explain the benefits of of doing that is it about our brains kind of being able to manage things better that way or yeah
1: most definitely Okay, yeah. it's all about the brains it's kind of like a little bit like barack obama only ever wears a blue tie because less decisions to be made yeah. it's kind of quite similar to that If you start tidying by room, like I used to to tidy by room all the time and after two hours or three hours, I'd just be left with half open drawers not knowing what to do. Mm. So if you were to start looking at a a piece of paper and then a pen and then an umbrella and then a a T-shirt and then there's a kid's bike there, it's all too much. The brain doesn't know what to do with it. But if you say, I'm just going to focus on books and you bring all the books from the house into one space, Mm. just that category, it's easier. And if you have a lot of books... You just do your gardening books and then you just do your fiction books and you just do your business books and then it makes it easier to start to work out which ones you love. You don't even have to compare them against each other. It's not like I like this one more than that one, i have only got to keep three. It's not about the amount that you keep. It's just about making it simpler for the brain to kind of work out what you like and the, the similar category really helps. And you also work with the similar, similar material so, if, if something feels soft and squishy, do that together rather than being like a hard plastic item, do those together. That sometimes works as well.
0: Ah, cool. Okay. Ooh. Right. Ah, that just gave me a little light bulb. That's cool. Yeah.
1: So, especially if you're doing like a, um, I, I guess, I don't know, spare room or a, or a shed or something, you're like, oh, okay, let's just do everything that's got metal in it know mm. all the metal ones and then like, okay, now let's do all the wood objects and do all the wood bits just to make it more chunkable yeah. and then you're also going to have a, an outcome, like an achievement at the end of it.
0: Mm. I love it. Um, mm. And what do you find um, if, if someone wants to start today? I mean, I know you said clothes but like – you know that might just not be a priority for someone. How do we yeah. identify for ourselves where the best place to start is?
1: Um, I guess just a, it's a space in in your house or in your an your area in your home that probably is feeling a little bit um it does the energy doesn't feel good and you don't feel happy about it. Mm. I think that that will probably just be a good a good place to start.
0: Yeah.
1: Um And then being really really honest with yourself when you're going through it. And, and then so if you're, if you're just doing your office, for example, your office may be the space you need to do, you can break them into categories in the office. Mm. So you do your stationery first and then you do your books and then you do what else is mm. in the office. So if you don't want to do, um, you know, don't want to start with clothes or you, you can you can chunk it down like that. I mean I don't recommend it. I would, I would say doing everything is going much more beneficial but if you wanted to start with one area to give it a go, you can easily start with an area and then break that area into categories.
0: Yeah, cool. So, categories is still the main thing to do, even if you're it's starting amazing. on an area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love amazing. it. I'm going to tackle my, I've, I've made a commitment from our chat to Ooh. literally hang up and go over to all the old notebooks. I keep ah. every single notebook and I just don't need to. You know, I'm not even doing the same mm-hmm. work I was doing seven years ago. Um, yeah. and I'm gonna just say bye bye, and off into the recycling they go.
1: And it's good that you're you're saying the bye bye bit. The mm. bye bye and thank you is a big thing for um for the KonMari method. Oh, tell kind us of, about it was, that. The KonMari method is all about thanking the item before you discard. So it's kind of like you're ending your relationship with it.
0: Ah, closure. Mm. So
1: I would definitely because I obviously I do a lot of this. I yeah. have a few items which I've gotten rid of. And I feel bad about it, and it's just because I didn't really, I didn't really close it off correctly. Uh-huh. So to re- to to avoid that idea of oh no, I got rid of something I need. It's like thank you, it's been good, we've had a good time together. Nay, moving on.
0: Right, and I think that could be really, really effective for people who feel um, almost sad and angry when they find out something has some nasties in it, like a you know scented candle that's got fake fragrance or things like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that'd be really great to say thank you i actually did enjoy you once upon a time but you're no longer required in my life and i think that might sound a bit hippie woo woo but i actually find that really appealing as a way of letting go in a happy way as opposed to going bastards you know didn't tell us that all this stuff was in these candles and they've been poisoning us and it's just not a helpful way to move forward so i really like it yeah
1: and it's also with, um, well, you know, for all environmental conscious people, being feeling bad about putting things in landfill because they're getting rid of them. Mm. So it's kind of been, so like, okay, I say, okay, this is me getting rid of this, is making me aware that I don't need more, yeah, and I'm not going to buy this again. So I'm not just throwing stuff in landfill and just filling my house up again. It's like it's it's I'm discarding it, but I'm also reconnecting, re- re- rewiring the way that I think about purchasing. Yeah. That kind of helps too. That helps for me because I hate throwing things away knowing that they're just going to go in landfill if I can't recycle them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there are sites like Gumtree and Council Cleanups as well, before we need <laughs> to throw something away. Um, that you would just be surprised what trawlers on council cleanup days will pick up and repurpose yeah. somehow. I'm the Facebook I'm, market. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's I'm great. not a, I'm not a very smart repurposer. I just don't have the creativity, the craftiness. Um, mm. My husband's pretty good that way. But, um yeah, so we'll often put a few things out for council clean-up, um, much less than we used to, of course, because of raising awareness. But mm. often most of it will be gone and who knows what it gets turned into. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. And then you can do it the flip way as well and then realise if you – if you need a new chair, mm. like I'm moving to a new apartment soon, and I, I'm not buying any new furniture from Fantastic Furniture, I'm gonna go to the Salvos or go to like Facebook Market or go to Gumtree. So it kind of goes both ways absolutely. when you're
0: absolutely
1: know, when you're really aware of this. So it's really cool.
0: Yeah. Now some. Uh, 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 A type of person in our families accrues things at lightning speed, always wants new things, always gets given a whole bunch of things at parties, and that is the child. Um, (laughs) How do we help our kids not want to accrue so much stuff? Like I feel like they get obsessed about a new thing and then they just – want every incarnation of that thing and, you know, of course Lego franchises and things do such a great job of having a brilliant show for them to watch and then you want to collect all the characters from the show. Uh, Like, you know, it's quite hard to help bring the awareness about for a child who wants to collect and accrue so much. I wonder whether it's quite an animalistic thing, you know, whether it's quite a, a primal desire to own and to gather and because that means success and happiness um,
1: yeah, it it may do. I mean, I know as a kid, I had collections of everything. Mm. And that, there's a minimalist. I was watching a show about in America, and he says his his daughter collects and his sticks. I think that it's just it's some kids just love lots of lots of little collections. But for children, they're still going to be products of their environment. Mm. So if they're raised in a space that is organized, and they're raised by people who are aware of what they're buying and what they're bringing into the home and they're saying no, mm. then it's, it's going to rub off on them. Yeah. So I think a, a key tip is not to deprive them of things, obviously, to, to give, them, give them the, the, the objects that they need to create and to learn and to play, but learning to say no is really important. And it's coming back to that part that if you are in the supermarket shopping line and there's a $3 truck there, and all the kid just really, really wants the truck. It's about saying no, like we've we've already got some things at home, and you really love the things at home, and kind of getting the the child to be aware and, and be grateful of what they have.
0: Mm. And, and it's not easy. No, it's but, not. But
1: it's in, it's in our way, it's it, it's. Kids' stuff is everywhere. Just like you mentioned before, the Lego is a perfect example.
0: Yeah, and I love Lego and I think they're a great company moving towards a sustainable future, Mm -hmm. lots of great stuff, but that franchise is a powerhouse when it comes to Mm. collection, building and having to have every single bionicle and, you know, I I deal with that myself. But Mm. another area of of kids and accrual is – finding it quite tricky as parents um, in certain discussion groups where we've wanted to be more conscious and lower the amount of toys we've got and, and move toys along to people who need them much more than we do, especially if the kid has outgrown that mm. stage. But often children seem to not want to move, uh, like they're not ready to let go of those toys that they still don't even play with anymore and yeah. you know they're no different to us really like that's why that pencil skirt from 4 years ago is still sitting there in the cupboard really i mean uh-huh. you know but yeah. how can we explain to them or help them realize that um that they 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 don't need those things anymore they haven't played with them for ages um you know what I say to my son is that there are kids out there who don't have any toys so it's it's almost rude of us to sit with these toys in our house that you're not using anymore when there could be someone whose year will be made because they got the opportunity to play with these toys and wouldn't that wouldn't you love to fill that child with happiness and to try and help them think outside themselves but do you have any more tips
1: yeah, I think that, that that tip that you've gotten given there is really good because it's just letting the child learn about more than their environment because yeah. we, we need to remember that, that, that all they know is what they know in front of them and, of course, it's hard for them to let things go because it's theirs and also they're friends with their toys like they're good mates with them so for them letting go of something could be really scary because they're their friend and they've been trying to look after them and and for us it seems like such a silly thing but a child only really knows their environment they mm. aren't aware of to the, the wider world yet so being really aware that they're very connected to that and I think maybe the whole idea of, of thanking the object and and not putting it in the bin like don't throw the, show the kid you're going to put it in the bin but maybe take it to the place with them um, and take it to the op shop or whatever, it's, it's a good way to show them that the, the object's going to be okay once they let go of it.
0: Mm, I love um, the idea of actually bringing them along for the mm-hmm. for the uh, transfer of ownership yeah. moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, because if, if you think about it, it's like you've got something that you love, like a beautiful necklace, and then someone who you love and is older and caring for you says, you can't have that anymore, we're going to take it away, and then you have no idea where it goes. So at least showing them the journey of where it goes and it's safe and it's here and, you know, and then maybe they can buy something for 50 cents in the op shop, kind of like they're learning that, you know, we can give and take and that kind of thing is important. But then I think the other part of it is really honouring the individual child and this goes for presents a lot of the time and probably like aunties and uncles and grandparents, they're the ones that... And even I do, I want to buy things for my friend's babies because they love the babies and I find all these cute little clothes I want to give the kid. But from the age of five, the child is turning into their own person. So letting the child choose which ones that they love and which ones that they don't play with as much anymore is a good way to start this idea of having less. Mm. So you can just put put the toys on the ground in front of them and say the ones that you really love playing with put over here and the ones that you probably don't play with as much and don't love as much over here. Mm. Now, obviously, a three-year-old can't do that, but an eight-year-old, nine, ten, they all can. So starting to do that with them at an early stage is good.
0: That's a great idea, almost like just a bit of a school holidays ritual where you go through things and and yeah. um, and get them mm-hmm. being aware. Um, yeah and then
1: and then it also makes then they're aware of what they have too. So when next time you are in the supermarket and they want a truck say to them, you know, haven't you don't you remember the ones you have at home kind of being more
0: aware of what they have too. Oh, I love that tip. That's great. Mm. Um yeah, because they can't really have that awareness. If they're just screaming through life and never look through their cupboards, and yeah, it's like actually, you know, and I think that's why when you pull out the the car drawer, we've got a car you know, like a Hot Wheels car drawer that a wonderful friend um, handed down a whole bunch of Hot Wheels and and the yeah. and the few that he's gotten over the years, and um, and he wouldn't have played with it for six months, and we were yeah, I didn't even realize I'd done that, but we were in. Uh, in a I think it was a service station where he asked for hot wheels and said, well why don't we get your hot wheels um, draw out when we get home and you can see whether you feel like you've got enough hot wheels if you do and if you reckon you've got quite a few that you love to play with, then we can realize that maybe we don't need to get these anymore yeah and you know perfect and he has like i think from that what was handed down, I reckon we've got about a hundred. And yeah. um, and of course, they're fine. He's fine and he does not need any more.
1: No. And it, I think also it's, it, if someone bought him probably it's a different kind of thing, it's clearly he loves the Hot Wheels. It goes back to what you said before about you're a dresses kind of person. I'm a dress person too. Mm. And as a kid, my mum tried to put me in dresses and now she knows, sorry, tried to put me in pants. Mm. And now she knows as an adult that that was never going to work because my personality is not to like that. So rather than... Buying stuff for the kids, especially this time of year, it's a perfect discussion that we're having um, to kind of think about all the stuff they have at home post-Christmas, that they're going to have so much stuff there and letting the kids kind of choose what they what they really connect with. Are your kids crafty or are they more sporty or are they more kind of soft toy, a soft toy kid or a hard toy kid? So letting them kind of choose what they love rather than you choosing what they love as well.
0: Yeah, love it. Um, And to finish off, I would love to ask you, like, I've got a fair idea of what it would mean to actually engage the services of a a professional declutterer um, from, you know, deciding with the client what they want the space to look like and then starting to work on which category we're going to work on. Is there anything, like, how long does this process take with the average client or can you do like a strategy session via Skype and then let the person, you know, leave the person to their own um, devices or like mm. is there the option to just like have someone come once a week even for two months to help you work through the whole house?
1: Yeah, I bet all of those options are open. I mean, it's why purely work around what my clients need for the time and what time that they have as well. So I have many clients we work with Skype and it's literally we get together and we talk about what we want to get out of it. I start to make a plan and then I just check in with them um, every week, see where they are, and they give me an update. So I'm literally like a tidy coach and see what they've done. And then we have another Skype session a few weeks later and they – show me what they've been working through. If they've got some questions about a difficult item, they can bring it up and they can show me. And it's quite a different experience, you and your own thought processes thinking what you need. And when you get stuck, a professional who's done this many times before, talking you through it and just kind of keeping you honest and questioning your thought patterns, so often I know whether a client wants to keep an object before they even know themselves just because I can see their reactions. So when you engage a, a tidy coach, it just means that it's going to make the process faster, quicker, and you'll probably get a lot more out of it.
0: Yeah, love it. And it,
1: can, and it can be just over Skype occasionally and then the tidy plan that you work towards or it can be a five-hour session and literally sit there and I show you how to fold things so you've got more space in your cupboards um, I've moved – it's also having two hands to kind of move things around. It can be quite daunting to take all of your books off your bookshelf but if someone does it for you, it's like, okay, we're doing this and it's just kind of – it's quite quick and rapid.
0: Yeah, and I think it's about just really being honest with yourself whether you're a self-starter in something like this or whether you actually do need to call in the help. Yeah. Mm. Love I, mean,
1: it. I think for me I would not have got – as far out of this and have done as much as I have if I didn't have the training like if I didn't have my colleagues keeping me honest and making sure what I've done and we have to send photos in to show that we're that we're practicing what we preach and if I if I didn't have that I would never have got out of out of the method that I have now so having gone through the practice with a coach it's it's been really important and I mean my, my clients and I know I'm, my colleagues clients say the same thing.
0: Mm, that's so great that you guys as coaches actually hold each other accountable it's brilliant
1: yeah um, well we we have to think especially there are lots of organizers out there and especially because we have this brand of, of of the Japanese method we we definitely like to to show that we're you know working together like uh, the girls in Canada that I trained with I, I talk with them regularly and we have Facebook groups and we share notes and we ask questions so you know we are really professional service in that way which is which is really comforting
0: I love it and Mm. like can I totally put you on the spot and ask you to share a couple of pictures for us to put in the show notes of
1: yeah definitely sections in your
0: closet maybe or your pantry or something yeah
1: but I've got got tons of those and the Mm. the cool thing is that the, the more photos I share the more I get back from people saying oh I just tried this and it's it's a good way to to see the reality of it too
0: love it Thank you so much, um, Sally. It's just been a a pleasure sort of – I think, you know, it's almost talking about – tidying up and how magical it can feel is your first step to actually wanting to to do that. I'm glancing across at my living room right now and thinking, no, I, I really think we've still got some work to do. Mm. <laughs> Quite a bit actually. Yeah. <laughs> but um, people
1: come yeah. into my house and they go, "Oh, I couldn't do this." And I'm like, "Yeah, you could. You mm. can do it. It's it's the space is yours. It's, it's pretty pretty awesome once you get there."
0: Yeah. Awesome. So on that note, uh, you can. Where can we find you?
1: Um, I have a website. It's mm-hmm. called organizeoz Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I'm also got a social media presence on Instagram, which is organize Australia. Mm-hmm. And then you can always. Um, I can send you my details. So you can say um, I've got the phone number there, and then email me at info at organizeoz com.
0: Wonderful. So my business
1: is called Organise Australia because uh, we have. Eventually, Marie will have organized America and organized Japan, organized Europe, and then we'll have organized Australia. Um hopefully all in different sections but I work for um, myself but very connected to Marie which is really cool
0: yeah that's great and I think um, people are going to want to I mean anyone can have just read the book and start calling themselves a decluttering professional but the fact Mm. that you've been through the training I think met Marie and really understood the essence of what she wants to create for the world and so the work you do is an extension of that I think you know that just helps people really feel like they're getting the real deal
1: yeah and you don't have to have read the book either if you if the idea really helps you but you're working with a a professional like one of us who has who has done it before then we can teach the book to you really quickly. Yeah, Um, you can be our
0: crib notes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much once again. Uh, It's been a pleasure having you on the show and everybody out there, please head to the show notes if you want to connect with Sally's work. Uh, She is Australian based, but as you heard her mention, Skype is always an option as is connecting with other Conmari coaches around the world. So I wish everybody good luck in their life-changing tidying efforts. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. And before I sign off, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that writes a review or leaves a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever it is you listen to the show. We appreciate it so much. Much. It's the best way you can say thank you because it helps us stay visible and it helps people who haven't listened to the show before but who might come across it in a search think, hmm, I might give that a go. So I appreciate that and I'm wishing you the best week. Until next week, you can catch us on lotoxlife.com and if you want to check out those show notes, remember to put forward slash podcast and it'll take you straight there. Otherwise, I'll also see you on Instagram. I'm always posting there. It's a little bit more uh, personal and a look at sort of how I eat and what I do and my dad's pictures of blossoms and whatever else is going on. And that's at Low Life. Have a great week and I'll see you next week.